0: Listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. We are getting ready as uh, summer draws to a close and fall is just around the corner. We are all getting ready uh, with great anticipation for being back together again. Some of us for the very first time since this whole COVID thing started. Maybe you've been meeting for a little while already. Uh, Maybe you've had a VBS in person, but we're anticipating fall. And we need to acknowledge as leaders and and be fully eyes wide open that it is time right now to get ready and reset so we can go for fall. We have posted some resources for you on a website that you can find. It is at kidsministry.lifeway.com slash... Ready, reset, go. Producer Trey can provide a link to that in the show notes of this episode on KidsMinistry101.com. But that page, Ready, Reset, Go, has a few ebooks that we have put together for you, and a downloadable guide to host a back-to-fall event, a, a fall <laughs> festival, a family event of of, uh, of sorts, to help you kick off fall uh, in a fun way. But as we look forward to fall, there there are a lot of ways that we need to be prepared uh, to get ready. And as we anticipate kids and families coming back to our churches, one of the ways that we need to uh, prepare is to make sure that we are ready to welcome them, to receive them. And so I wanted to spend some time talking today about just how important it is to our ministries to make them places that are warm and welcoming uh, to newcomers and that help people uh, who may be outsiders as they walk in the door Come to feel that they truly belong in our ministries. And so, with me today is my wonderful friend and my boss, Jana Magruder, director of Lifeway Kids. Hey, Jana.
1: Hello, Chuck.
0: Hey, it's been a little while since the two it of has. us have been alone on a podcast. We have done some with other people <laughs> and we've been busy with other things, but it's great to have you as uh, as our primary featured guest where you're not trying to interview some other person. I want to hear you. And so for us to get a chance to talk about this thing that that you and I have been talking about offline, that importance of feeling that you belong. And so that's something that I know is on your heart. And so we thought it would be good to set aside a few minutes to talk in a little bit more depth about that, uh, that important feel. It's kind of a feeling, isn't it? That people have, um, let, let's start with talking a little bit about like the the bad feeling. <laughs> so
1: of going have, to church. <laughs> have you ever
0: had, I mean, have you ever been in a place where you walked in the door and you just weren't sure that you fit there?
1: Absolutely. I think every. Human being has that feeling at some point, even us extroverts and people lovers, we have plenty of moments that are like the school cafeteria or like walking into um, a place where you don't know anybody for the first time. Um, So, yeah, that is a familiar human experience, I think. Mm. And I think we can all agree that that is magnified in the childhood years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to walk into a place when you don't know where you're supposed to go, when you don't know if you're supposed to sit or stand, when you don't know if you're, you know, if how to participate, you don't know what's going to happen next. You're not sure if these people will like you or not. Those are all really big feelings, especially in young children.
1: Yeah, and I think it's really important for church leaders to reference those kinds of feelings as they are preparing Uh, Their spaces, their programming, um, training their volunteers to really think through the lens of a child and how they enter your doors for maybe the very first time or maybe they haven't been to church in a long time because of quarantine or summer. Um, we know that, you know, attendance drops off in summer. And so those two combined, we may be welcoming kids back that haven't been in a really long time. And so I think it's important for us to um, think through that lens in terms of how can we build a culture of belonging so that when kids come back or come for the first time, they feel that immediately
0: yeah, and that's it's it can be uh, it's easier, I think, for us to get our heads around the idea that a, a newcomer would feel this way. But the reality that you point out is, in a real sense, a lot of us are kind of coming back for the first time in a long time. and there may be some kids, even some leaders who you would assume are insiders or feel like insiders who they may not have that confidence or that assuredness. In how they feel about coming back. There could be insecurities that 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 we may not be aware are there. So important for us to to look for that. And how, how might we, like as we watch kids come into the room, what might we look for that might help us with that? Or should we just assume that no one feels totally confident?
1: Um, I- you know, it looks different for different age groups. I keep thinking about the babies and the preschoolers that mm-hmm. uh, have separation anxiety. You yes. know, that's what we call it during those years where, you know, they're hugging mom's leg and they do not want to stay with with the with the teacher, the leader at all. Yes. And they make it really clear by, you know, throwing a fit or, or crying or being inconsolable. Uh, that's a very common um, experience. Um, But fast forward that, you know, to the elementary years, let's say. Yeah, maybe kids don't uh, throw the fit. Maybe sometimes they do, but usually that doesn't.
0: (laughs) They're they're not clinging to mom or dad anyway.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Usually they're not going to be displaying the typical separation anxiety behavior. However we should not assume that those kinds of things go away. And so how can we acknowledge that, um, you know, a child that walks in and looks around and like you said, doesn't know what to do, where to go. Church is one of those experiences. I would say that for, um, for some people, church or Sunday school or small group is the school cafeteria. Yeah. Where you just don't know what to do. You don't know what to do with yourself. Unfortunately for like, older kids and and teenagers, and especially adults, what's the first thing you do when you walk into a room and you don't know what to do with yourself? Mm. You have a crutch in your hand and it's your phone. And so, you know, you look completely preoccupied by, uh, you know, looking at your phone and that feels comfortable. Um, and so those are the kinds of behaviors that I think the older, uh, people display when they don't feel comfortable, but how can we, I think this is something that we as church leaders can, can think through mm-hmm. is um, how do we anticipate that kind of feeling and how can we combat it with some strategies that we develop before time?
0: Yeah. Preemptively. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that we're ready.
0: Yeah. And so when, a. Uh, a uh- a preteen or a, or a child, or even an adult goes to their phone, that kind of puts up a barrier, you know, they'll get into something that it used to be hiding behind the newspaper, you know, or at the park bench or whatever, but they kind of hide and they isolate and pull away in the space. Uh, And so we need to, we need to look for that sort of behavior. Is a person isolating or pulling away? And oftentimes I think we as adults might assume or hope that the other kids will just naturally welcome a newcomer. And the truth is that's probably not a realistic expectation that they would just do that on their own. We we as adults need to see the situation and insert ourselves to help engage with that child who may be new or who may be insecure. Introduce them to someone else and help make connections, and then find ways actively that we can involve them in what's going on. Ultimately, we we can create a culture where we're encouraging those kids uh, to to not do what's natural, which is just to stay with your little clique of friends that you already have. But but we can build a culture where we actually demonstrate and encourage children to look for news new others. And then and then include them. What a great thing to aspire to, but that's a long ways off for a lot of us.
1: Well, I think it's it's about being aware. Um, mm. I, we fall into our old patterns of like, if I'm a volunteer, I show up and maybe I gravitate immediately to the other person who's a volunteer in my room, and we chit chat or we're yep. we're getting our you know session plans ready, and our supplies ready. And it's really easy to fall back into like a routine type behavior where a, a kid could come in, be dropped off. Um, and we don't really, you know, other than saying, oh, hi, uh, it, it may not come natural for some people. However, I think as ministry leaders, we that can be a training component that we Absolutely. don't assume people really know how to do that. And so I think building a culture in your volunteer base of noticing those kinds of, of uh, patterns and, and being cognizant so that you don't fall into those patterns. Mm. So um, to me, that is, uh, I like to say to my kids, be a there you are person in, instead of a here I am. And so a here I am person Walks in and it's all about, you know, well, here I am. I'm, I'm the teacher or I'm the leader or I'm the volunteer or, you know, some kids come in with that attitude. Here I am. Um, and instead switch that to, oh, there you are and make it all about who's walking in the door. I and love so that. so I think,
0: yeah. I love that. What a great little play on words in a in a beautifully simple way to shift the focus off ourselves onto others. I love it.
1: Yeah. And look, just simple things like that, I think, can be a, a training component for us as we encourage volunteers to be. Really, it's an emotional awareness. I think we use that EQ terminology quite a bit. I think that those are healthy things to build in as you're building your, your volunteer base and as you're setting a, a culture that you hope becomes contagious as a there you are culture.
0: I love it. Well, I, I mentioned that, you know, sometimes when we go to our phones or whatever it is, it's a way of hiding. It's a way of saying, I don't want to be noticed. Don't come and talk to me. Leave me alone. Uh, and it's a way that we hide from making real connection. That uh, What that represents, though, is that that person is closed off. They're, they're not connecting. And really, they're not going to be open to hearing or to receiving what we're there to do, the ministry that we're there to do. So we we can get very easily um, laser focused on what it is that we have to say as leaders in a given week, what we're there to teach, what the activity is, and all the ABCs of what we need to knock out, not ABCs of the gospel, the one, the, the checklist that we have to facilitate that week. And we can be so focused on the task and even on the message that we can miss the connection. And that connection, if that's lost we're not going to make the stronger connection with content very well, are we?
1: Exactly. I think that we um, gain permission to actually mm. bring a message when that child is ready to receive a message. And mm. they're not going to have, whether you want to call it listening ears on right. or you know, crisscross applesauce hands in your lap, they're not going to want to do any of that until they feel safe Mm-hmm. And they feel like they belong. And so once those two, you know, very basic needs are taken care of, then you have the ability to bring, you know, a, a very important message of the gospel to um to ears that are ready to hear. And so those basic needs, you know, are just essential to to being able to communicate um to our kids.
0: So we need to work from the moment a child walks in the door (laughs) to notice them and to greet them in a way, Jana, that sets them up to feel that this is a safe place and that they are welcome and wanted here.
1: Exactly. And I think that we definitely need to be mindful of kids being in more and more isolation than ever. So we know that that, uh, Kids and teens and adults have been more isolated than ever, even before the pandemic. Research mm-hmm. tells us that this generation is more isolated than ever, is more anxious than ever, um, and is lonelier than ever. So isolated, anxious, and lonely are things that we should almost assume for every child that walks in.
0: And that was And some are able to
1: mask it. Yeah. And so that's pre-pandemic. So what, what in the, we don't, the numbers aren't in and I would dare say we'll never know the full story. Hmm. I think it's going to continue to unfold in ways that um, are generational, honestly. So I think we should assume that that kids are struggling with that in some capacities, of course, some more than others, and some are able to mask it better than others. But uh, we have got to acknowledge that as something that um, we're, we're going be we're going to be dealing with that from from here on out.
0: Mm-hmm. And that that's so important for us to acknowledge because if we if we gloss over that, the reality that kids are struggling with anxiety and with stresses, in ways that are really unprecedented, if we're not aware of that, we can very easily miss an opportunity to engage with the child in a way that is really needed.
1: Exactly. And if they feel that sense of belonging when they come to church, that is going to make them want to come Mm. back and they're going to bug their parents until they, they bring them back. And so I think that the church is going to be more important than ever in terms of a place where you can go and feel known, feel Mm. seen. And then from there, know that ultimately it's Jesus who knows us and sees Mm. us. And we're known because of that. And so I think that, again, it's about gaining that permission to be able to share that message. Mm. You're not going to get that until that child feels Mm known and seen
0: we we often talk about how how discipleship happens in the context of relationship and that's really what we're talking about Mm -hmm. you're not going to get to discipleship if you don't start with relationship and you're not going to get to relationship if you don't start with someone feeling wanted and welcome in your environment now i don't think any of us and this could be hard for us let's talk a little bit about getting around this mental gymnastic here I don't think most of us would say, "Oh, my my uh, environment is horribly unwelcoming to kids." You know, we we all feel like we're welcome, right? Mm-hmm. That's the we're, we're we're it's a desire that we all have to make everyone feel greeted and welcomed and wanted. But maybe we we may not be doing that as effectively as we might think. Is that fair to say? Some of us,
1: you know, I think there has been a hospitality trend in mm-hmm. churches for a while now. Um, and I see that in uh, like the, the greeter team, you know, churches are implementing the greeting team where that is your only role is to fall over yourself, making yep. people feel comfortable as they enter the worship service or yes. enter the church building or even walk in the parking lot. That, I mean, that is an assigned role that many churches are doing because they know the very dynamic that you and I've been talking about. When mm-hmm. people feel uh, like they belong, like they have have um, a place to be there, then they're going to be more. They're going to be they're they're going to want to come back. If this church is loving on them and and making them feel wanted and welcomed, then there's something to that. And so, how can we in children's ministry? take a couple of cues from that hospitality um, approach. Yeah, great. So, you know, beyond just, uh, you know, welcoming a child, of course, when they come in, you know, hello, Chuck, I'm so glad you're here today. You know, come sit over here. We're, we're working on this, you know, activity. We do a good job of that, I think. But what about the parents who are dropping off? How can we make them feel that sense of belonging to children's ministry and so that they feel like they know familiar faces, they, you start to know their names, um, you start to ask about their lives, and, and that helps you get to know their kids better, and it all works together for the family to feel like they belong, and that just extends your culture even more.
0: Yeah, it's and it's great to we need to notice kids. And I love that you called me by name when you just welcomed me. Thank you. I'm glad that you know my name. Yes, of course. Greet kids by name if you're not already doing that, right? Learn their names and call them by name. But also, when you remember me when I come back the next week, oh, it's so good to see you again and acknowledge me personally. Just great things you can do uh, Mm -hmm. to to go the next level with that. And I love how you pointed out, yes, a lot of our churches are very intentional to have a greeter outside the door that's either going to hold the door or hold an umbrella or guide me to a seat or whatever uh, if I'm an adult or if I enter the big building. Are we doing similar things when someone enters our children's space? Not mm-hmm. necessarily. And, and it could be that it's important enough that we assign uh, that responsibility to someone to say, we need to have a team who greets children and helps integrate them.
1: Absolutely. You know, usually, you know, for first time visitors, it's all about knowing where to go and getting your child registered into the system and getting that name tag on and then someone, you know, ushering you to a classroom. And all of those are good things and things that have to happen. But I think that, you know, with this extra awareness of helping people feel, um, like I said, known and seen and like they belong, if we can lead with that. I think that sets us up for success for, of course, a repeat visit and and hopefully, you know, someone who wants to stay.
0: And we mentioned at the start of the episode that, that we could very well have families who are not first-time visitors, but who are returning for the first time after yes. a long leave of absence. And so it's yes. equally important for us to acknowledge those children and families and say, it's so glad to see you again. It's so good to have you back. And uh, in in and go out of our way to uh, love on them and to acknowledge yeah. the, their presence.
1: And I think we need to remember that people are out of practice. So mm-hmm. even your your church members or your repeat visitors, we're out of practice of being around people. If you think about it, we just we haven't interacted that much. So even those of us who know lots of people or definitely feel like you belong at church, you're still a little rusty in terms of those relational type skills. And so help people get back in the, in the rhythm of, of just, you know, wanting to visit, wanting to, to talk more um, and that kind of thing. I think as leaders, we can lead the charge in and bringing people back in a comfortable way.
0: Yeah. And that's a great goal for us to set for our teams as we have our huddle time, as we get ready to re-engage each week. Let's remind our volunteers that hey, listen, let's make sure that we are making eye contact and we're talking to kids, calling them by name, and we're connecting with them in a way that they're uh, that they feel seen when they come. That's good, good, good advice. And I think that to strategically do that as a part of our part of our uh, goals each week is so important for us. Jana, thank you for being here. Listeners, thank you for listening. Until next time, we'll see you back here for another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.